Good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So we're, we're pulling into summer here, and we're, we're getting excited because the summer series is going to be, as you guys know, all know that that's been here for a while, the summer series is about testimonies. Uh, we're going through the book of Nehemiah this year. Uh, we're, I'm getting excited, but today I want to give you just a little bit of a glimpse of how our testimonies will work, just because I'm going to give a part of my per- testimony of just what God's doing in my life and building faith in my life. And so I want this to just be a little taste because, of course, hearing testimonies of our, of our churches is greater than hearing the testimony of your pastor because uh, I feel like I always talk about myself. And so I get kind of boring after a while. But today I want to go into Hebrews 11. We're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about how God builds our faith. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews 11. If you have your smartphones, please pull it out. I don't have a PowerPoint today, so you're really going to have to look into your Word. And we're covering a very large section. Uh, Very, very large. And if you know John, John speaks for a long time, so we're going to cover it verse by verse, chapter 11. No, we're not. Uh, We're going to start in Hebrews 11. It says, Now... Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then we go to Hebrews 12. It says, let us put everything out of our lives that keep us from doing what we should. Let us keep running in the race that God has planned for us. So let me pray. Father God, we just submit our our hearts to you, submit our spirits to you, and Lord, we just ask for your spirit to come. Lord, for you to speak to our hearts, for you to encourage our spirit, encourage us in our walk of faith. So Father God, as we come before you, may you speak through your word, may you speak through me to, to bring an encouragement to your people. So Lord, we thank you, we love you, we give praise and all worship to you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews 11, what I love about it, it's, it's what I call the hall of faith. It's kind of like the hall of fame, but it talks about just the people that have gone before us, that God sees as righteous and faithful. If we read through 11, it's a roster of just believers, it starts with Abel, and we go to Enoch, and Noah, and Abraham, and Sarah, and Jacob, and Isaac, and, and Moses, and Joseph, and it, it keeps on going to Gideon, to Barak, to Samson, to Jephthah, to David, and Samuel. It lists all of these people that we study in the Bible, and we hear about, and that they are these men and women of faith. That God used them and tells their story through the Old Testament to show us just their journey of faith. But Hebrews 11 ends it off in this way where it says, but their faith is incomplete. And then it goes on to say, because it it only comes whole when it comes in contact with our faith in this generation. That the faith doesn't stop at where these forefathers have, have, have walked their life, that it needs to continue and that it's only made whole because we continue to walk out in that faith. And that the generation 
behind us continues to walk in that faith until the day that Jesus comes again. So it talks about how faith needs to come into a place of wholeness. And then Hebrews 12.1 just wraps it all up. It says, therefore, since we were surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, all of these people listening in chapter 11, these are the witnesses that are cheering us on. These are the people that have walked before us and now are standing and cheering us on and saying, hey, continue to walk the way that God has for you. And so let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. So a couple of weeks ago, I got to very briefly share a testimony of God's healing in my life. So today I'm going to share with you more of that story and what God has taught me from this story. So a couple of weeks ago, I shared about how God healed something very in some ways insignificant, but in many ways very significant um, in my life. So growing up, as far as long as I can remember, I've had this allergy to fish. Not seafood, but to fish. God's word is, is reading, maybe I need to stop. <laughs> but as, as long as I remember, when I was really young, around the age of two or three, I developed this, this allergy. And this allergy isn't one of those allergies where it's just like it's an intolerance. It's, it's anaphylaxis, which means that this is something that could potentially kill me. Um, in my life, I've had three incidents that I could remember where I've had fish and had, had to go to the hospital for it. Usually it starts off with hives, so hives will break up in my, on my face and then throughout my whole body. And then I start feeling just hard to breathe. So my chest tightens and I, I find it very difficult to breathe. My tongue starts to swell, I, I usually vomit. Uh, and then after that, my tongue starts swelling and then it really blocks the airway, which is why I carry an EpiPen. The EpiPen is just adrenaline that slows down reaction so that I could get to the hospital. It doesn't, for those that don't know allergies, for those that live with allergies and have an EpiPen, the EpiPen doesn't cure, cure you. It doesn't stop anything. It just slows it down. You still need to go to the hospital. And so there's three incidents in my life that this has happened before where the first incident actually... Um, as a very young boy, it, it just, it didn't, it wasn't so severe. It, it develops into a more severe allergy as you grow older. So the first severe accident I had was actually, when I was around five or six, it was in school. Uh, so I was at school. We had, uh, you know, those special lunch days? And this was in the 80s. So we didn't have these non-allergy things. Like, where it wasn't like, oh, fill out this form if you have allergies to anything. It was just like, here's a couple selections, just pick. And so one of them was chicken fingers, the other one was fish sticks. Of course I chose chicken fingers because my mom was like, oh, you're allergic to fish, don't eat fish. Back in the day, they weren't so careful about food either. And so in my chicken fingers was a fish stick, and I ate it. And I, in my classroom, just, my allergies started. And my teacher knew about it, put the EpiPen in my leg, called 911, um, the ambulance came to the school, picked me up, I went off to school. All my friends saw it, my entire classroom saw it. For me as a young boy, it was one of the most embarrassing things that happened to me. 
And so for those that live with allergies know that we don't want to talk about our allergies because it's an inconvenience to others and it brings too much attention to ourselves. And so that was the first incident that I had to go to the hospital. The whole classroom saw, and uh, to this day, a lot of those friends that I grew up with still remember that. Second incident was, happened when I was um, actually on a vacation here in Vancouver. So I grew up in Edmonton, uh, not a whole lot of Asians. So when my parents came out to Vancouver, we indulged in all things Asian. Uh, so for most of it, we would hang out in Richmond. So when I was growing up, I hated coming to Vancouver because I just knew Richmond. Uh, but we went to this one kind of Hong Kong cafe type thing, and my dad ordered me this bowl of soup with pork, and uh, it's just pork and, and soup noodles, right? It's pretty innocent. But the thing is, most people use a fish broth for this soup. And so I didn't know. I just, I'm like, Asian food, this is awesome. Like, my tongue is like on fire. It feels delicious. I, I, I finished that bowl of noodles within like two, three minutes. And all of a sudden, it came. And my dad's like, you didn't eat fish. What happened? He calls the, calls the waitress. The waitress is like, oh, our soup is fish-based. EpiPen goes in, another trip to the hospital. Ruined my vacation. Well, actually, I wasn't ruined because I was like, I'm in the hospital. I'm not in Richmond anymore. <laughs> Not too bad. Third incident happened when I was around 11. Uh, it was our, our church's 10th anniversary um, celebration. And we were, they booked out this big fancy... I went to a Chinese church, so they booked out, booked out this big fancy Chinese restaurant, like the full 10-course meal, you guys know, like the awesome Chinese banquets. And they go and order... The soup was that uh, bird's nest soup. Very expensive stuff, very decadent stuff. And uh, I've had bird's nest before. I'm not allergic to bird's nest, but fake bird's nest is made out of fish. <laughs> so if you ever want to test whether it's real or fake, just find someone with a fish allergy. <laughs> Make sure that they don't charge you for the real stuff. So I had the soup again. This is in front of my entire church. Allergic reaction, off to the hospital. So that for me secured in me this aspect that I'm allergic to fish. This is part of who I am. I'm okay with that. I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I don't feel like I'm missing out on life. I don't like the attention. I don't like telling people I'm allergic to fish, even when we go out to eat. So if you invite me to Japanese, I will go. I just won't order anything that potentially could touch anything else. But I would manage myself in a way where I was very vigilant in what I ate and what I put in my mouth. And anybody with allergies knows about this because of how uncomfortable you feel. But at the same time, you don't want the attention. You don't want people to know. You don't talk about it. It's just like, and actually after I got married, my wife loves to out me on that. My wife loves to be like, if, they, if we go to someone's house, like, oh, you guys have any allergies? And I was like, yeah, he's allergic to fish. And I'm just like, just, why do you have to tell people? Like, it's, I'm very self-conscious about it. Because to me, it's, a, it's, it's an extra burden uh, for people. I don't want to be a burden to my host. I don't want to be, um, I don't want to be just put on the spot in that sense. So 
this was my fish allergy. This is something that many people have witnessed in my life that have seen me deal with this problem. Now, about 10 years ago, I started working for the church. And I come from a more conservative denomination and background, and they were talking about healing, and, and my church did talk about healing growing up, and my seminary talked about healing, and we prayed for healing, and that's great. But there's a couple times when I first started here where I was challenged in that aspect of healing. Someone asked me, just like, John, I know you have a fish allergy. Why don't you get prayer over it and ask God to heal you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Theologically, I understood what that meant. Theologically, I knew that if I ask for healing, that God comes and heals. But psychologically and emotionally, there's always this place of doubt. And part of it is I'm just like, it's just a part of who I am. It's just part of me. That it's just fish. And depending on who you talk to, some of you would agree with me, you're not missing out on much if you don't eat fish. And now that I could eat fish, I kind of don't like it, to be <laughs> honest with you. So 10 years ago when I first started, they asked me, why don't you just ask for healing? You see, here's the thing is that when something becomes a part of us, we adapt to living that way. We become content in the way that we live. We, we have absorbed it as part of us that it doesn't actually matter anymore. We just live with it. 35 years I've had this allergy. People know I have this allergy. It's just a part of me. So when I think about healing and when people ask me and challenge me on healing my fish allergy, it's never something I think that I even need healing for. It's just part of who I am. But this was a faith journey that I never knew I had to take. Like I said, theologically, I understood healing. Theologically, I understood that God could do this. However, I never realized the lack of faith that was within myself that I had. But we live in a place where we don't have faith for God to move in our lives anymore. We live in a place where sometimes we don't believe that we need change. When we don't believe that God has something better for us because our life is good. We don't believe that God wants to bring us to a place of better wholeness uh, and better experience of who he is because we're so content in the way that we live and we're so content with everything that we have that we don't think that we need more. We don't think that we need healing. We don't think that we need rescuing from God. In many ways, my faith journey, I mean, for those that know me and know my testimony and have been around me and, and have been around the church for a while, in my faith journey, there's many things that I've come to know who God is, and I've crossed many hurdles, and I've, God's really redeemed my life in many ways. But as I look at that journey compared to this journey of my allergies, that journey was so much easier. That journey was so much easier because when I was a drug addict, when I was dealing drugs, when I got arrested, all of those things, I, 
when I hit bottom, it was Jesus' grace and salvation that came to save me from myself. And so it was almost easier to take that step of faith and say, God, just take it all because I've screwed it all up. But when it came to this aspect of an allergy, it just seemed so insignificant. And it's something that I could live with. And it's something that I'm not really missing out on life just because I can't eat fish. And so it's this faith journey for me was actually a harder one to take than to, to take the grace and mercy that God has for me. But this faith journey is not insignificant because this faith journey required me to believe that God could do the impossible. Because for, for all that I knew, this was the rest of my life and that I've accepted that, that fact, I've accepted that reality and it is impossible for the rest of my life to eat fish. And so for me, I didn't have that faith to trust and believe that God could heal this. And so over the 10 years that I've worked here at Five Stones, it's come up actually many, many times. It's come up through my family. It's come up through members. It's come up. And people call me out on it all the time. It's like, John, why don't you go up for healing? And I was just like, no. People with much greater problems need healing than I do. Okay, people are not, people have chronic pain. People have, have like major healing issues in their body. Mine is an allergy. I'm not missing out on life because of that. So let me pray for others to get healed. I don't need that prayer. Others do. Because I'm not missing out. Here's the thing. There are things in our lives that are exactly like that. Every single one of us have something where we live with and we're content with. Every single one of us has something where we're just like, it doesn't harm anybody, it doesn't do anything. And I'm just, this is good. I don't need healing in this place. I don't need Jesus to come into this part of my life because it doesn't hinder my relationship with him. See, we live in a place where we like to live our lives, where we have our plan, our purpose, our goals. We, have a, we sometimes are given encouragement even through prophetic word where Jesus speaks to us, and we add those things into our plans, our life, our goal, and it's all good. But here's the thing is that we live this way, and then we ask God to come and bless our lives. Instead, God wants us to live in a place where he says, where we say, God, how can I be a part of what you're doing and what you've planned, and how can I be a blessing through that? There's a very distinct difference in that. One is, how do you, God, live with me and a part of me? And the other is, how do I live in your plan? Hebrews 11 lists all of these people of faith, and all of these people wrestled with God. None of them came to the place of faith just by, just by divine revelation, but they wrestled in a place of, this is my plan, my idea, but what is your plan, and what is your idea of the way that I need to live? See, we live in a society in a world where it's so easy to get absorbed in our own life and absorbed in what we have, and we, we play it off that this is God's will for me. 
We play it off as this is the way that God wants me to live. We spiritualize it in a way where, where it justifies our choices. But how much of those choices is us actually walking in a place where God wants us to walk and walking in a place where he has planned, for, planned out for us to walk? And then we just come alongside God and walk in obedience and say, okay, God, how do I be a blessing because you have blessed me? We have to be very careful because it is a complete paradigm switch in our heads, in our minds, and in our hearts. This is a very radical way of living. But this is how the forefathers lived. This is how the, all of those people that were listed in chapter 11, this is how they lived. That even Abraham had a choice to go back to the land that he was from. That he didn't need to go and walk to, towards the promised land. He could go back. But he trusted that God had something better. He trusted in the, what was unseen. And that's what faith is. It's trusting in something that we don't see. Having hope in something that we don't know. What's going to happen? Living in faith is part of God's plan. It is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance in what we do not see. Having God be a part of our plan isn't living in faith, but a facade or feeling that we are living out our faith. Faith requires us to let go of what we know and to hold on to the hope and the assurance of who God is. God wanted to teach me something. And in May, when we went through a messenger's class, as Greg came through and taught the messenger's class, there was an opportunity for me again to step up in faith. So we're put in these small groups. I was in a group with Jesse Pearson, with Anita, and with SP. Out of that group, I mean, I'm, I'm one of the pastors, but I, uh, trust me in this, I'm walking the same road you guys are walking. And so Greg's like tells these amazing stories of healing in his, in, in, in his teaching. And it just sparked this aspect in me. It's just like, this is an opportunity. And so we get into our groups, and Greg lays it out. He's just like, we are, our, our, simples are pra- our, our prayers are simple. They don't have to be complicated. We don't have to conjure up God. We don't have to conjure up the Spirit to come and bring healing. That we just pray simply and have faith in, in what we pray. That we just pray in Jesus' name and healing comes. It really is that simple. If you look throughout the Bible, when Jesus healed, Jesus didn't have to do a mantra. He didn't have to do anything where it was big, elaborate. It was just simple words for us, for people to understand. It's very simple words. In Jesus' name, be healed. That's how the disciples walk. In Jesus' name, pick up your mat and walk. Healing comes that easily, and so it came to a place where it's like, okay, now we're going to pray for healing for each other. We get into our small groups. In my heart and in my spirit, I was just like, I, this is an opportunity for me to ask for healing. But as soon as we got into our group, Anita pipes up, and Anita's just like, I have a prayer request. I have healing issues. And I'm like, okay, just give it to Anita. I don't need it. And he was like, my back, I've, had, I've been having issues with my back. And I'm like, okay, okay, great. As a pastor, let's, let's pray for Anita. We're gonna, I'm going to look over my flock, and this is great. And I, let's, let's pray for Anita. And so we, we, I thought it was just one person that gets healed, and that was it. And so we prayed for Anita. Very simple prayers. I mean, SP was very new, so he literally said one word. Uh, we prayed for Anita, and 
we sat there and Greg's like, okay, just pray, keep praying for people in your group. And so I'm like, and then Espy goes, and then I'm like, actually, you know what? I have something too. And I'm like, this is a place where I actually don't have much faith in. But I believe that God is challenging me to step into that. And so I said two things. When I was in my late 20s, I developed a lactose intolerance because I'm Asian. And I haven't really been able to enjoy milk product. I still eat it. I just pay for it. Uh, it hasn't stopped me because it doesn't kill me. See, the reason I, I, I don't eat fish is because it actually kills me. That's why I don't eat it. If it's just an intolerance, believe you me, I'm going to still eat it. I'll deal with the discomfort. So I said, I have a lactose intolerance and I have this fish allergy. And so the group's like, okay, let's pray for John. Simple prayers. In Jesus' name, we just ask for healing to come. And so Anita prays, Sespi prays, uh, Jesse prays. And when they were praying, I did feel warm. As I look back now, I do believe that that was God actually healing. But I didn't know if I was feeling warm because I was nervous or if there was gas or <laughs> if the room just became warm. Um, so I didn't really think of it being me feeling warm being anything, but there was, now that I think back at that moment, there was a sensation of just this warmth that came. But it wasn't a warmth that was just a temperature thing. It was a warmth that I just felt like someone was holding me. And then that was it. And so I go home. I tell my wife that this happened. But of course I'm not going to test it because I'm, I'm terrified. So I'm like, but lactose I could test because I could, I could just deal with it. So I go home that night and I drink a cup of milk. Nothing happened. Usually within like 30 minutes I'm sitting on the toilet. But nothing happened. So I was like, oh, it's a coincidence. I slept through the night, woke up the next morning, came to church, ordered a latte from Starbucks. Ne I never order lattes anymore because of, especially on Sunday because there's so many people here. <laughs> Trust you me, I'm sparing you. <laughs> Nothing happened. On Monday, it was my first day off in weeks. And so Steph and I decided we, we're going to go to Seattle for just a little family. One day trip to, to Seattle, went to Bellingham, uh, went to the beach with Judah. And I ordered another latte. On the beach, I never order milk product when I'm out uh, far away from home. Never. Order no nothing. And I, I tell Steph, I'm like, I've had no issues with milk. I'm like, let's make something with cheese. Like, I miss cheese so much. Let's just, like, indulge in this aspect that I could eat dairy and have no problems. But my wife, who has greater faith than I do, said, why don't we just try eating fish? <laughs> I was like, oh. I don't know about that. She's like, we have canned tuna at home right now. Why don't we try? So she goes, grabs a can of tuna, pops it open. I'm staring at this can of tuna, and I am terrified. My heart is beating so fast. I'm sweating bullets. I swear, I had so much adrenaline pumping in, in me that I'm a walking EpiPen. Like, there was no need for an EpiPen anymore. I was so scared. And Steph was just like, just try it. 
I'm like, babe, just listen. This is 35 years you're dealing with, okay? This is 35 years of baggage that you're dealing with. And it's not as simple as just picking up a fork and putting it in my mouth and trusting that God is going to do something. And so she's like, okay, fine. Touch it to your lips. Because all I have to do is touch it and hives break out. Right? That's, that's how sensitive my allergy was. And so I touched it to my lip. She's waiting. She's like, anything happen? And for her, she's confident for some reason. I don't know why. Usually she's not as confident as, as me in these things. But for this, she was beyond confidence, beyond that what I needed. But she was my biggest encourager in this too. But she's just like, if anything happens, we'll pack up Judah, drive you to the hospital. It's fine. I'm just like, okay. So take tuna, put it in my mouth, eat it, swallow it. Like I said, so much adrenaline. I'm like, there is no need for an EpiPen right now because I have so much adrenaline pumping through my body. Nothing happened. One thing did happen is I'm like, I hate the taste of tuna. <laughs> Canned tuna, not good. And she's just like, well, you don't normally eat it this way. So we kind of just pack the tuna away. And I'm sitting there and kind of in disbelief. And the next day I go and tell my staff that this happened. That night I go home, Steph has a salmon dinner ready, <laughs> spread out on the table, just ready for me to eat. I was like, man, my wife has so much more faith in this than I do. And I had my first salmon dinner. No reactions. Terrified. Actually, to this day, I'm still terrified. This is 35 years, I'm telling you. 35 years of living a certain way, being vigilant in what I eat, what I put in my mouth. Being scared because I've had incidences. I've had incidences where I know how hard it is to breathe, gasping for every single breath is hard. And it's scary, and I didn't want to go through that. And so that's been so conditioned in my mind, that's so conditioned in my heart and in my spirit of who I am and what happens to me. That even eating to this day, even when I look at it, I still get scared. But I have faith that God healed me. I know that God healed me. I've had it several times now. Jillian was so gracious, she took me out for poke. Never had poke before because cross-contamination in those places happen all the time. Gone out with my staff for sushi, had fish at Father's Day. On Thursday on my anniversary, we had a fish dish. Every single time, I'm still in disbelief that I could eat this, that I could taste it. And honestly, I didn't think the texture of fish is actually the way that it is. Like, every time I look at it, I feel like it's something that should fall apart in your mouth and, like, melts in your mouth. But I didn't know that there's a chewiness to it and that there's a heartiness to it. Uh, and it's not as slimy. Like, I, th I always thought fish was slimy. Like, the texture was slimy. But it's not. It actually just tastes like meat. I'm telling you, this, this to you guys might be like, oh, this is, you're, you're kind of weird. This is 35 years of not eating something, okay? 35 years of not experiencing this side of, this, this whole cuisine of fish. I'm still learning, and I'm, apparently fish taste different according to the species. So I still have a lot to try. 
but please don't offer me fish and please don't invite me for fish meals because there's still fear there. I'm still scared. I'm still hesitant. I'm still slowly walking this out. But here's the thing with healing, that God heals. God heals our hearts, our spirit, and our physical body all the time. That healing doesn't need to come with elaborate prayers. And that healing comes with simple faith. That no matter what area in our life that requires healing, whether it's, it's an obstacle to overcome, an addiction that we may have, a physical ailment that we may have, or a disability or, or a, a chronic issue that is in our lives, that we just need to come with faith. I came with the faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. And in some ways, it's still that small. But in Matthew 17, 20, it says, if even if you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains. I understand what that means now in a new way, in a new perspective. That physical mountains will move if you pray with faith as small as a grain of mustard seed. That we just need to come to, in faith and pray for healing. Every instance that Jesus healed in the Bible, every demon that was casted out, every aspect of Jesus' miracle came from one place, and that faith, that place is faith. That place is coming to a place where we believe that God is going to do something. And when that faith invades that issue, heaven invades it. That God's power comes through it and that God's power is able to manifest itself in it. So when we look at this aspect of faith, I question where our faith is today as a church. Is it the fact that we're not seeing, seeing miracles happen because of the lack of faith that we have? Or is it an exercise of faith for us as Christians and as the church to exercise this faith because God has commanded us to do it? In Matthew 10, it talks about how Jesus says, go cast out demons, heal the sick. Heal those that have leprosy, those that are blind, those that are, are, are lame. And that Jesus doesn't say, only I do that stuff. He says, the church is going to do that stuff. And that means the church today, if we believe that Jesus established a church for today, that we continue to do that. But here's the thing is that sometimes fear gets in the way, just like my fear of my allergy. That conditioning comes in where we believe that we could continue to live this way and we're not missing out on anything. And that we get into this place where we're just okay. And now what we have is that we have a just okay church and not the church that Jesus came to establish. Jesus wants us to walk out our faith journey. Jesus wants us to walk with him in a way that as our forefathers lived and as they walked out in faith and became righteous in it, that we continue to walk that faith out so that that faith is whole. 
before all of these witnesses that have walked up before us, let us put off everything in our lives that keep us from doing what we should. Put off everything in our lives that keep us from doing what we should do. For me, this allergy thing, I don't know what God's going to do with it, to be honest with you. But I know it was a faith step. I know that it required me to come to God in faith. I know that this blessing that I've received, this miracle that I've experienced in my life, it isn't actually just about the healing. Yes, the healing is there and it's a great story. But this was a lesson of faith for me. It was a lesson of walking out with God. It was a lesson of seeing God's power move in my life. Because I posted it on my Instagram feed, I had so many conversations with friends that have witnessed my allergy, witnessed me going to the hospital and said, and asked me, how is this possible? And the conversations that I've had with these friends were to encourage their faith to encourage their faith to keep walking out what God has for them, to take apart their theology and their understanding of who God is because sometimes our theology is actually our greatest enemy. And that sometimes warfare comes because we hold on to a certain theology and it may not be a correct theology of who God is. That the warfare in studying God's Bible is actually ourselves and what we know and what we understand of the Bible and we read it through those lenses and we don't allow God to speak to us directly from his word. That's what I learned through this. Is that God needs to break down certain religious aspect of my faith. Certain things that I couldn't come to wrap my head around. That God needs to break those things down. Why? Because he wants us to be free from things that keep us from running the race that God has planned ahead for us. That's why. I love the fact that I could have a lasagna with fresh mozzarella on it and not have to pay the price. I love the fact that I could go to a restaurant and when they asked, is there any allergies, I could say no with confidence. I love the fact that I'm moving to a country where fish is a staple. And maybe that's why God healed me. That I don't have to worry and be vigilant in what I put in my mouth. I'm encouraged by the fact that God has done this in my life to build up my faith so that I could share it with you today. What had happened is a faith lesson for me. The healing I got was just a blessing. God gave me to encourage me to keep running the race that was set before me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. I know faith is not an not a easy thing. It's hard to dissect and differentiate and, and, and come down and whittle it down to how do we understand faith. But I do have faith that God teaches us that we have faith in him because he has faith in us and that our faith comes from him. That our faith comes from his spirit. Our faith comes from a place that he gives us. And so today I'm going to do something a little different in our closing. 
I want you guys to search your heart, search your life, search your, your mind, search your spirit. I want you guys to get to a place where you're just saying, God, I want to put off everything that hinders me from running my race. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask for all of you guys to stand and we're going to place a hand on just your neighbor. And as we place our hands on each other, and please ask for permission. If they say no, don't touch them. As we place your hand on each other to pray for each other, I want you guys to pray a simple prayer for God to just bring healing into the places that need healing. Whether that healing is emotional, whether that healing is physical, whether that healing is spiritual, whatever that healing place is, we just want God to bring healing because this is the way that God wants our church to work. I don't understand healing completely. There's still a lot of theological questions I may have, but I do believe one thing is that God does heal. And that if we come simply and ask simply, that God will bring healing. So why don't we take a moment and stand right now. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. And we're going to take a moment to search just your life and just say, God, give me faith. Give me faith to receive what you have for me. And I want you to, just the people beside you, just put a hand on them on their shoulder. Ask for permission. It's okay to say no. And all I want you to do is I'm going to just lead us in a simple prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer after me and we're going to just pray for each other as a church to encourage each other's spirit to keep running that race. Father God, repeat after me. Father God, we come in faith and we ask for healing in this church. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we ask that we continue to run the race that's set before us. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great message, great testimony by Pastor John. You know, there's a, a fight of faith over the city. And there can be unbelief in the city, but there doesn't have to be unbelief here. Every house of God, every church in the city should be a portal of faith where the Holy Spirit can come and touch us. I just love how gracious God has been to John, even as he has stepped into just this miracle, yet just walking through it, you know, just little by little, little by little. I was reminded in uh, Matthew 15, there's a Canaanite woman that came to Jesus, and her daughter was <clears throat> demon-possessed, and she was crying out for her daughter. We don't have time to go into it except to say that Jesus equated healing with child's bread. Child's bread. In other words, to receive healing is just to have the heart of a child. And it's nothing more than that. And the idea of a child is that we're connecting back to the fact that it's our Father that wants to give us this child's bread. That simple. So betting on healing is not betting on your faith per se. It's betting on that God loves you. That's what you're betting on. When you come to God, you're saying, what? My God, my Father, He loves me and He wants to touch me. And so let that truth sink into us because as it does, it will stir up that faith to just receive, to receive 
to receive. Father, we ask for that receiving spirit to come into us. Lord, we saw that Mary just received by faith the promise that she was going to conceive a virgin birth. It just took that receiving spirit. And we'll receive it this morning, oh God. Holy Spirit, open up our spirits. Cause us to be vulnerable. Lord, that, that faith can just drop into us and we can receive the blessing that you have. Thank you for the children's bread. I just, I just want to have a one-minute thing right here. If, if you do have a, a physical healing need, just raise your hands for a sec. Just raise your hands. Okay, Father, these hands that are raised right now, they're receiving right now from you. Spirit of God, come right now. Come right now. Heal. 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 Amen. Heal. Heal. Heal your children. Just say, I receive from you, Father, right now. Whatever it is, the power of God will touch you. We thank you this morning, God, that you're a good, good Father. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for being in our midst. And we thank you for the power of your truth. We praise you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go and walk in your healing. Enjoy the goodness of God. We'll see you next week.